Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101, episode number 46, almost 250, almost there, inching closer and we will make it, trust me, we will make it. But this week I speak with Pastor Eddie Heinrich who is the Northern California Conference's Youth Director. He's also the volunteer liaison between youth directors in the Pacific Union. He also oversaw the daytime programming at Oshkosh Chosen Camporee just past August. And uh, I had a lot of questions to ask him and he gives some awesome answers, especially when he says, we haven't learned to play nice with each other. So let's hear what he has to say together. Check it out. Welcome everyone to another episode of Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101. I am with Pastor Eddie Heinrich, who is a youth director in uh, California and also volunteers to assist and lead out with the Pacific Union, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. All right. How are you doing today, Pastor? Hey, today's a great day. It's a beautiful fall day. We're loving it. Awesome. It's a little bit colder here in Michigan, but uh, I'm sure people are always wanting to visit California. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, Pastor, as we start this podcast, I was just wondering if you could give us a short bio about yourself and uh, what led you to what you do currently in ministry. Sure. You know, I've been a youth pastor for almost 30 years. It's scary to even think that thought, but just about 30 years. Um, I started uh, wanting to be a youth pastor back in about 1985 when I started working at Leone Meadows Summer Camp. Um, summer Camp Ministry is probably the highlight of my ministry, or at least one of the highlights of my ministry, and I've been doing it for, for quite a while. Um, and um, so, like I said, we I started out at Leone Meadows and uh, worked as a counselor, worked in the kitchen, worked... Um, as an aquatics camp assistant director, and I just fell in love with ministry. Um, that wasn't my original career path. My original career path was was pre-med, and I got to my junior year in college, and God said, you know, you're, you're, you're doing fine, but if you really want to follow me, this is where I want you to go. So I took that path and started down that road. Um, you know, journeyed through Minnesota, was a pastor of a small church out of Minnesota, then went to seminary, came back as chaplain Bible teacher at Maplewood Academy. Did that for a couple couple years, loved it. Um, but I got the opportunity to go to, down to Kansas, Nebraska to be the youth director there and uh, spent nine amazing years down there as the youth director um, at Broken Arrow Ranch and in the Kansas, Nebraska conference. Um, then I had an opportunity to move back to California, which is where I grew up. Um, I lived in Redding, California as a kid, and uh, I got to come back out here. And, uh, you know, we've been out here for a, for a long time and uh, are enjoying that. Part of the thing that has made my ministry um, fun and exciting and successful is my wife is, is my ministry partner. Uh, we have worked together and both paid and non-paid for the last, you know, we've been married um, a long time. 
and uh, 29 years, and wow. uh, we have journeyed down this together. Wow. Wow, Pastor. Uh, one thing I want to highlight in that biography is usually when I'm talking to youth directors, they, they love youth ministry, but usually they were in ministry thinking that they would be a pastor of a church, um, probably for their whole career. And then in the middle of it or in the midst of it, they got called into youth ministry. You're a little bit different as in you've always wanted to be a youth minister, uh, as you stated, which is something I, we really hear, we rarely hear here. Uh, so let me just follow up in why do you love youth ministry so much? You know, um, I love youth ministry because I can see the immediate impact of what I'm doing. I also know about the long-term impact of what's happening. And besides that, I watch and look and see what other people are doing. And, and I have a lot of fun in my, in my job. Um, you know, it's, it's never the same. It's always uh, different. You can be creative. Um, kids are very flexible. Uh, they challenge you. They help you figure out. Uh, they show you really quickly where your weaknesses are. Um, and they help you find your strengths. Um, they're very forgiving and understanding. And um, I just love the energy that, that youth ministry brings. And, you know, I had somebody ask me today, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, you know, I want to be a youth pastor um, for all of my career. Um, in fact, I did my dissertation in youth ministry. So I have my doctorate in that because um, that's the way I wanted to, I wanted to do that. So I'm trying to grow professionally in youth ministry. Awesome. Awesome. The, exciting to hear that pastor. So I have another follow-up question for this. Uh, sure. For those who uh, are not too familiar with youth ministry, I have a feeling I know the answer that you, what you're going to say, but I want it on this podcast. Have you... Uh, in the 30 years you've been in youth ministry, are you doing the same tactics to reach youth and young adults that you were doing 30 years ago or has it changed or what has changed? You know, that's an interesting question because some things have not changed. Building relationships is the number one priority in youth ministry. Um, people are very forgiving, very understanding and very accepting of people who build relationships. So the number one thing is to, is to you know, get to be um, friends. And I, and I use that word carefully, friends, a mentor, um, but you want to build relationships with young people. And in that context, those kind of things don't change. Um, that, you know, how you arrive at those friendships, the culture that we live in, and the types of ministries that we do, you know, those things change. For instance, we have gone from an entertainment model of youth ministry when I started to more of a mentoring um, discipleship model in youth ministry. We're also we're going to a more um, intergenerational type of youth ministry. Um, so some of those things, you know, change. Some of them don't. Um, I was told early on in my career by an old guy. He was in his, and I say old. He was in his middle sixties. Um, you know, he was the most beloved Sabbath school teacher of the church that I was was pastoring. I pastored for a year, and he said, you know, he goes, age does not matter whether you care about young people and whether they know you care about them matters more than anything. Wow. So those kind of tactics, those kind of not tactics, but those kind of lesson life lessons um, have been really important to me. Wow. Wow. So uh, pastor going into your role as a youth director of a conference, uh, but also 
you there is no i would say official you union youth director in your union but you take on that role as in a volunteer status could you like give us some insight in what you do in that role at the union level um to assist the other youth directors in your union sure yeah, as you stated, we don't have an official youth director in our union. Um, I'm the volunteer youth ministries coordinator for the union. And so my role is probably very different than, than the traditional um, union youth director position. In my role, um, I am building a team. Uh, we collaborate on everything we do. We make decisions about how we're going to do everything together. I don't call them up and say, hey, we're going to do this event, this event, this event. Together, we sit down and we have... Um, we have conversations about, hey, where are we going? Where does our union want to go? Where, where do we see our administrators wanting us to go? And so we have those kind of conversations and then we implement them together. Um, and I keep saying together in team because that in our union is really, really important. Um, and uh, so in that setting, that's how we handle it. Um, and so we're responsible for pathfinders we're responsible for um, young adult retreats our union if you remember a couple years ago we did um, the we the J just claim it prayer retreat the, our Pacific Union was allowed to to lead out and how that happened so we we did some things there um, we've been doing some mentoring summits we've been doing some growing young we've been doing some Sabbath school training um, and we've been doing some other really cool ministry things um, and so we're, you know, we're limited because we still have real, real jobs, full-time jobs at home, you know, um, back at home, I'm doing some of those same things. I'm the Pathfinder director. I'm the youth director. I'm mentoring youth pastors. I'm helping administration find and place youth pastors. Um, you know, there's those kinds of things that we do here uh, for, that I get paid for in addition to weeks of prayers and outdoor schools. And then I have a unique opportunity that I run a, um, a ministry called Summer on the Run, mm -hmm. and it's a uh, traveling um, day camp, per se. We go to a local church, spend five days, we bring the, the day camp to them, and it's about creating awareness in the local community about who the Seventh-day Adventist Church is, who Jesus is. Um, it's a wedge ministry. We're not trying to, you know, bring them from point, you know, from initial contact to baptism we're trying to introduce them to the church and to Jesus and to the path local pastors and then let them um, follow up and mentor and guide and disciple them. Awesome. Awesome. In those programs, you mentioned a mentoring summit. And of course, once I hear that, I, I got a little excited. So I, I just want to ask, could you elaborate on that program and what its purpose was and what happened? Sure. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create awareness and provide resources to local churches saying hey look you know you don't have to be 19 with a really cool haircut play the guitar and you know be a great worship leader in order to be a youth pastor or, or a youth leader you know we know that people from any age can mentor people younger than them and sometimes older people and so what we did is we uh, the youth directors we gathered together and we would come to a to each conference and we would put on a one-day um training um training event and we would help provide resources and show them and model model mentoring and help them you know figure out that it's possible even in even in some of our conferences are kind of small 
Mm-hmm. And, and some of them are kind of big. Some of them are fairly wealthy and some of them are kind of poor. And so we're trying to help everybody understand that um, no matter what size church, no matter what size conference, that mentoring can take place as long as there's at least two people that want to, you know, have a relationship. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's a sounds like an exciting program. And I know that it is well worth it for any church to participate in that. Uh Hey, everybody, we'll get back to the interview in just a moment with Pastor Eddie. But I just wanted to highlight Damien Bascombe, who was a guest on episode number one of this podcast. Check out that episode if you haven't heard it already. But he is fundraising for Movember. It's a pretty interesting fundraiser. If you help him raise money, he'll do some fun things such as shave his beard and things of that sort. But basically, he's highlighting men's health and mental awareness for veterans with this fundraiser. Also, the church that he attends, My Generation Church, is having a GoFundMe where they're just raising money for some furniture, uh, chairs, for and some supplies for their new building that they are currently going to occupy for their church. So this is a wonderful church filled with young adults. So if you are willing and able to support Brother Damien and these two fundraisers, go to the show notes, hit the links, and help him out. All right, and now back to the interview. Another question I ask, uh, which is a broad question regarding the entire denomination, is and, and it's really cool to see it through the eyes of a youth director who's worked at union level and conference level is um, how well do you think our church as a whole is in interacting and engaging with Generation Z? Boy, that's a loaded question. Because um, I want to tell you, man, we are right on top of it. We're cutting edge. We've got the best program out there. That's what I want to tell you. But the reality of that is that it, it's not that way. Some of our conferences are doing a, are doing a, a good job. Um, but as you know, it's difficult to engage because our church, we haven't figured out as a church how to play nicely together. Mm. And so some of the things that Generation Z is facing, our church isn't really addressing those issues, at least they're not addressing them in a way that makes sense and is relevant to our young people. Um, now, please understand, biblical truth, biblical standards, um, you know, the, the pillars of our church are, are, are the same as, very same, the same as they were when our church started. I'm, I'm talking about the Sabbath, you know, state of the dead, the sanctuary, how much you know, how much God loves us and how much he died for us and all of that. But our church is struggling to answer questions about how to deal with life issues, um, LGBTQ+, um, other forms of, you know, um, pop culture. We don't know how to deal with that. And because we're, and I don't know if it's because we're afraid to deal with it or, uh, but we're not dealing with it really well. Um, and so our, as I see it, our generation Z says, well, since you're not really engaging in that or you're not engaging in a way that's necessarily relevant to me, then I don't really know that I have time for you as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And uh, I, I just love that perspective and that statement where you said we're still learning how to play nice with each other. 
I, I, I think that's a very powerful statement in the fact that uh, it, 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 it seems that's where we're having the roadblock. It's learning how to play nice. I think if we did play nice, you know, things would work even much better as things are doing well. But if we learned how to, as you said, play nice with each other, things would even be more cooperative and more communicative. And so I completely agree with that statement that you said, Pastor. Just so, just to be clear, I love my church, and I, I love the message of our church. I mean, what other church has the message of the fact that Jesus loves us so much that he came down and died for us and lived and was resurrected? What other church talks about, you know, the state of the dead and, and the way that we do? What other church spends, you know, huge amounts of resources in, in education? You know, what other church has the messages of, of scripture that we have? I don't know of anybody because if I did, I'd probably go be a pastor there. Mm. Um, I love my church. I, I love the, the way um, I love Ellen White. Um, I love how the message she has given us and the principles that she gave us. Um, so I'm a very traditional Adventist in many ways. Um, sometimes, though, I, I, I look around and I wonder, you know, how do we engage culture again you know in a way that is biblically accurate because that's the most important part yeah. we have to be biblically accurate and yet apply it and make it relevant to the lives of young people and actually all people because um, our society has changed you know we came out uh, our church came out of a very churched culture it started in, in you know in the midst of you know revival and reformation you know across our country it just wasn't just adventism as i understand it you know and now we're in a more secular culture and somehow we need to bridge the gap between what we know and believe and the secular culture we live in without lowering our standards maybe adjusting our standards but not lowering them because um there there has to be a way based on jesus's ministry to keep the standards high, but yet let all people know that they are loved and appreciated by Jesus and by us too. Wow, wow. Uh, Pastor, I, I just have to uh, also comment on that because I think what I'm hearing from you is something that I think a lot of youth ministers um, go through in the fact that they love this church so much, um, myself included, and they love the message, but they also love young people and what they want is also to, to keep preaching the message, but also to reach the young people and to listen to the young people. And I think what, um, when you said we have a trouble playing nice, I think what we sometimes lack is we don't listen to the young people. And what they want to have is just to be heard. And usually a youth director like yourself are the ones that are listening and they're standing up and speaking up for the young people and saying, listen, our youth and young adults are, are speaking up and we need to listen. And even though we have, you know, Ellen White and, and the truth and all that stuff, sometimes it's really important to also just, you know, sit back and listen so that we can have a conversation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, we, we do need to listen to our young people and then we need to figure out a kind, um, understanding uh, way to um, engage and, and share, share truth. Because if you can't sit down and talk to somebody, and then, then, then it doesn't matter what we put out, 
um, you know, in writing or in podcasts or any of those kind of things, you know, the best way is to build a relationship with somebody and then journey together. Um, you know, I love that's what Christ did. Christ took, you know, 12 disciples. They were young adults. They were, they weren't the educated ones. They weren't the ones that had it all together. They didn't have seminary degrees and he journeyed with them. Um, and he addressed, I mean, Jesus addressed some pretty hard issues, some pretty, some pretty important things. Um, and he did it. I mean, yeah, he, he had some, some messages at times that were pretty hard, difficult to swallow. Yeah. Um, but he also was able to interact with the untouchables, the, the outcasts. Um, those are the people that he actually went after and ministered to. Yes. So um, I think that's, that's very valuable. So, Pass, uh, so Pastor, I was just going to ask you um, another thing is uh, you were active at Oshkosh. Yeah. And, and it's, I think, the, it's, it's billed as the biggest youth event in our church. Uh, it's a week-long event that's amazing. A lot of Pathfinders from all around the world come to Oshkosh, Wisconsin to hear a theme and all these kinds of things. and. Uh, youth directors play a very important role at Oshkosh as they lead out in certain activities. Uh, I believe you were in charge of uh, on-site activities, if that is correct, Pastor? Actually, I was in charge of anything that happened between nine and five. Okay. I had some downline associates that, like Bill Wood, who is an amazing youth director or former youth director, um, he, he took care of off-site activities. Uh, Gene Clapp, took care of um, special events. And then I, I took care of daytime onsite activities, but I was in charge of all of that at the camp. Wow. wow. So with that being said, um, with that massive, important job, how did uh, you, you mentioned downline directors and delegation, but um, can you give us some insight in preparation and the work you put into um, running such a massive event or a part of that event? Sure. You know, I'll just say this. It's teamwork. It's building a team. I had some amazing help. Um, I had one of my Pathfinder coordinators, Brenda Brandy. She came and helped me. She's been helping me for the last, um, this is my second time. So almost 10 years we've been working together on Oshkosh on daytime activities. Uh, she played a vital part in collecting the information and and communicating with people and helping people, you know, to figure out what their needs were and all of that. And then a youth pastor in my conference, uh, Tim McMillan, he's the pastor, youth pastor at Grace Point Church in, in Sacramento. Um, he was my associate. And, uh, and there were, there's, uh, you know, I shouldn't probably mention names because then there's a whole bunch I'm going to leave out. But it, it's all about teamwork and building teamwork. I, you know, I couldn't do it by myself. In fact, um, wouldn't even want to try. Uh, because remember, we're trying to occupy 50,000 people, you know, all day long, every day. And, you know, that's a pretty big task. Um, and remember also that, you know, each conference each, and lots of non-conference entities said, hey, you know, we think this is important. So we want to partner with you to uh, make this happen. So once again, it's all about partnering and, and building relationships. <clears throat> You know, we're already starting to work on the next Oshkosh, and we're five years out. 
Um, oh, it, yeah. it takes time. I mean, and that some people don't understand. They just show up at Oscar and like, wow, this just happened. Well, no, it didn't just happen. We've been working on this for five years or 10 years or 15 years, you know, um, I've worked on Oshkosh in a, a leadership capacity for the last 20 years. Wow. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's a big operation. Wow. It, it, can I just ask a quick follow-up on that? Since you said you've been part of it for 20 years, how have you seen it grown and um, the impact of that event? Has it grown in leaps and bounds? Is there still work to do? What's your take on that? You know, there is still a lot of work to do. I, I think this event um, can get better. Um, there's still room for improvement. And there's, I, I, you know, I know that there's some people want it to grow bigger. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that. I mean, yeah, we want to make it available for more people. But at some point, you lose track of the quality of the event. I don't think we've hit that yet. Um, but it's a, it's a big event. You know, we started out, you know, there were a lot of hiccups and a lot of stumbles. Um, I don't think when we originally started, we were as careful about being inclusive of all cultures as we are now. Um, you know, I think that was a little bit of, and in, in the, in the beginning, you know, and people forgave us and, and, and removed on. And we like I said, we've been a lot more careful about making sure that we were, our activities, we had age appropriate activities this time for the, I think it's the second time we've done it. There was a, a place for staff kids that, you know, aren't pathfinders yet for them to go and have ministry happen during the day, you know, and all of that. And then there were teen activities that were both on-site and off-site. And then there were lots of activities for pathfinders and, you know, there's a lot of activities and stuff happening for international, um, you know, groups. And so we're trying to be very holistic in our approach as to who is and be very, and also very intentional about what we're doing. Um, and I think that's one of the successes is, Path, you know, this camp is geared towards Pathfinders. And so we know the Pathfinder audience really well. And we're making sure that everything we do is targeting that specifically, uh, which makes it more effective. You know, if you if you have been around, you'll know that the first camp we had, I don't remember the exact number, but there were baptisms, maybe a couple hundred. But at the last camp we thought, well, we might have 600 baptisms. Well, as you know, we've we ended up with more than 1300 baptisms mm. and a lot of that had to do with the fact, I mean, you know, Jesus showed up um, and we expected him to show up and Pathfinders recognized that. And our whole goal, everything we do at the Camp Re is to, is to get to that one moment when kids can, can accept Jesus and, and make a commitment to him, whether it's a commitment to study more or a commitment to be baptized or a committed commitment to be, to live a life that is like Jesus. I mean, you know, that's the whole point of the camp read. That's why we do the camp read. It has really little to do with the activities and the honors and all of that that we do. It has everything to do with bringing young people to a place where they can make a decision and a commitment to follow Jesus. Awesome. Oh, well, Pastor Eddie, you have a wealth of knowledge, I can tell. And there's so much I can learn from you. And I would probably love to have you back, but we're coming close to the end of the time. So uh, I'll just end the podcast with what we usually do on this podcast, which is leave it to our guests to give some words of encouragement um, into if God is calling you to be a youth pastor for somebody who's listening right now, uh, what would you say for that person or to that person? You know, being a youth pastor is an incredibly rewarding ministry. It's, it's a journey. God 
often calls people that don't even realize that that's what they need to do or should do. And um, if you feel that tug on your heart, then follow it. It's, 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 it's one of the most amazing ministries that, that you can ever imagine. This past summer, um, you know, I got to hang out with nine or 10 um, young adults and, and we journeyed together. And at the end of the summer, we started talking about how we had seen Jesus and we, we, we listed off multiple opportunities and multiple situations where Jesus just showed up in the lives of, in our lives and in the lives of kids. And, and that is worth more than anything I can tell you.